This is episode number 75 with the founder and CEO of Quest Education, Daniel Blue. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side and I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now. Let's drop into the episode. What's up, P2F listeners? Got a very interesting episode today. My guest is Daniel Blue. Daniel is the founder and CEO of Quest Education, which he explains in detail uh, the services they provide. But to quickly sum it up, uh, they specialize in helping people access 401k and IRA money tax-free, penalty-free, uh, for a number of reasons. They call it a solo 401k loan. Uh, people can use it to pay off debt. They can use it to get capital to grow their business. If you've tuned into prior episodes, I've had other guests talk about how to access 401k money tax-free through what's called the ROBS. R-O-B-S stands for Rollover for Business Startups. What Daniel and his firm are doing is a little bit different. The solo 401k loan is set up to help someone start a business if that's how you choose to use the funds, um, but without any W-2 employees. So 
the Robs, as we've talked about on previous episodes, is really ideal for someone that may want to start a franchise business where they are going to have employees in the very beginning, but they don't want to take on debt through an SBA loan. The solo 401k, as I've already said, can be used to start maybe a side hustle or um, you know, a business where it's just the owner. So a consulting business, maybe an online business, uh, things of this nature can also be used uh, for real estate, the way I understand it, uh, or to pay off high interest credit card debt. So a lot of interesting ways in which the solo 401k loan can be leveraged. And Daniel goes into a lot more detail of this. He also shares a little bit of his coming up story in terms of how he became the founder and CEO of a seven-figure business. Uh, he took an unconventional path, as he explains, and you know, talks a little bit about how all at the age of 18, he was addicted to Oxycontin. He was uh, dropping out of college. He just found out that uh, he had gotten a woman pregnant and had a child on the way. So shares a little bit of his, his path and how he got to where he is as a successful entrepreneur today. And, and a lot of good advice to come with that. So this is a episode that I know you'll get a lot of value from and definitely take away some, some key pieces of information. So with that, let's go ahead and drop in with Daniel Blue. Got another amazing episode teed up. I'm joined today by Daniel Blue. Daniel is the owner of Quest Education. Daniel, what's up? Thanks for dropping in on the Path to Freedom podcast, man. How you doing? What's up, Wes? I'm doing great, man. Appreciate you uh, inviting me on your show and uh, looking forward to having a good time. Yeah, man, it'll be really good. I've been excited about this. We connected and and chatted, I don't know, it was probably a month or so ago. Uh, knew it was going to be a good fit. Um, excited for you to tell the audience you know, what you do at Quest Education and how you help the people that you work with. Very relevant to, to most of the people uh, that, that are listening to this show. So, you know, with that, for, for those that are not familiar with you, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Yeah. So my business solves a, a big problem in the marketplace. We help people access money in their retirement accounts, penalty and tax-free. And once people understand that that's a possibility, the sky's the limit, you know, they could use that money to maybe fund their, their business, their brand new business that could be that business that breaks, gets them to break free from their nine to five job, right? You know, all businesses need capital or, or maybe there's an existing business that's already, you know, in place, but they just need some capital to go to the next level, right? Yep. Not a lot of people are aware that they could use a retirement account to, to fund their business. Um, or maybe they uh, have credit card debt, you know? I know when I first started Quest Education three years ago, I put a bunch of money on 0% credit cards. Um, you know, I think Dave Ramsey would probably yell at me for, you know, getting into debt. Um, however, I'm a firm believer is uh, there's, there's positive debt and there's negative debt, you know, debt, you bad debt, debt as, a, as an asset, or you can use it as a knucklehead and it'd be a liability and it's costing you money. So um, yeah, being able to help people understand that a retirement account isn't something that's only for the stock market and it's tied up and you can't access that money until you're retired. That's a myth. And, uh, you know, we're just here to help people understand that that's not true. And there's a lot of freedom that you can have, you know, when you've got the knowledge, you know, when it comes to your IRAs, 401ks. Yeah. Well, and, and you bring up an interesting point, right? Because someone like Dave Ramsey, you know, he's, he's opposed to all debt, right? 
but then you listen to a guy like Grant Cardone, and he's he's talking about the exact same thing you are, right? There's good debt, there's bad debt, there's ways that you can leverage debt to to build assets, right? And the interesting thing about what you're helping people with is it's it's not actually going into debt. It, they're leveraging funds that they already have. So it's actually a way to avoid bringing on debt to start a business or you know whatever the goal is versus going out and having to do an SBA loan or you know put stuff on credit cards. So I wanted I wanted to bring that up and and I definitely want to get more into you know how you're able to help people leverage the money in their retirement accounts but I mean how did you get into this in the first place before we we go there how did you get to the point of starting this business and and building it to where it is today? Yeah, I took a unconventional path to get to a point where, you know, I'm 32 years old and, uh, and I run a company in the financial space and, uh, you know, I've got 13 you know, employees here in Las Vegas and, uh, you know, I've got about over a thousand customers in all 50 states. So wow. took a, a really different path um, than most people in the financial space. I think, you know, most, most people know my story and, and look at me, they're like, man, this dude does not look like, you know, a financial, you know, professional from Fidelity or Morgan Stanley or, or whatnot. So for me, my journey started when I was 18 years old uh, in the sense of there was some, some life-changing events that took place. Uh, a couple of them included, I got addicted to oxygen. Cotton at 18 years old, wow. uh, ended up getting a, a woman pregnant at 18 years old, and then I dropped out of college, uh, eight, all at 18. And uh, college was something that I just went to because society told me to. I didn't have mm -hmm. like a career path. I kind of was just like aimlessly going about my life, yep. making bad choices. Um, but I stumbled across sales, Wes. And at 18, I ended up getting into kind of like the biz op, real estate sales okay. arena. Um, and, uh, you know, being around people that were in real estate, the self-directed term was introduced to me where people were saying, I'm using my IRA to invest into real estate. I'm using my 401k to flip a house. I'm using my retirement to invest, invest into this apartment complex. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, I didn't know you could use a retirement account to invest into real estate. I thought right. retirement accounts were just for mutual funds, for stock, right? So that planted a seed in, in my head. And, uh, you know, I had a pretty successful career, you know, in, in real estate sales, biz op sales, you know, made some good money, also okay. made a lot of mistakes. Um, I, I made some really bad money choices. Uh, that's how we learned, though, right? Like we touched the stove and we're going to get burned and we're going to eventually learn not to touch that stove. Yeah. I, I was just a stubborn guy and I kept touching that stove over and over in my early 20s. And eventually I was able to change my, my situation. I'm like, dude, I'm tired of touching the stove and, and burning myself. So, you know, I started. Uh, spending less than what I was making. I started budgeting. I started saving money. I started investing money. Started living below my means, and uh, you know, really building my credit and understanding, you know, the tax game. Mm. Um, you know, and I was eventually able to make a pivot, and I left the real estate coaching space. Um, and I, it got into the self-directed retirement account space because that really got, got my wheels spinning. I thought that was so fascinating. And I ended up working for a company for a number of years. This is probably about 24 years old. Um, and then I uh, worked for a, a company for a number of years in the self-directed retirement account space. And then uh, three years ago, you know, I, I thought it was a good time for me to make a move and, and be a captain of my own ship. And uh, I went all in on Quest Education. Like I mentioned earlier, I put a bunch of money on, on credit cards. I had a really good credit score. And, and uh, you know, the wife and I maxed out a bunch of 0% credit cards. Uh, I emptied out my savings. Um, you know, we put all the savings in and just uh, went all in on the blackjack table. And, uh, you know, 
I think every entrepreneur kind of has a similar story. Like you bet on yourself, you don't, you burn the boats. You don't know if it's going to work out, but it's like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I go back to work, but you know, three years later, we're, we're still on stage doing our thing. I mean, I love it. You took the words out of my mouth. As you're saying all that, I was sitting there thinking you burned the boats, you know, you, you did, you went all in. Uh, but it sounds like it was a, a calculated risk. Right. And I think that's an important thing to, to distinguish against, right. Is, you, know, you live in Vegas, so you use the analogy. But if you if you're getting in the business for yourself the right way, you know you've you've done some sort of due diligence, some sort of research. Look, there's always risk involved, right? There's always a leap of faith. You're always going to be betting on yourself. But if you're doing it the right way, it should be a calculated risk, not just flipping a coin and and hoping for the outcome. But it's still scary. I mean, you know, I have a consulting business where I work with people that are considering going through the transition of employee to business owner. I happen to specialize in franchises, but there's many ways that someone can go about getting into business for themselves. Regardless of how they do it, us as human beings are wired to want to stay in our comfort zone, to want to stay safe. And, and making that transition to being a business owner is is stepping out of your comfort zone. And so I see a lot of people, unfortunately, never take that step, never be willing to bet on themselves. They let the fear hold them back. And, and then sometimes, you know, maybe that's, that's for the better, right? Not everyone should be a business owner. There, there are people that are probably not cut out for it, but I see a lot of people that as I get to know them, I have confidence that they could be successful. I know that if they're willing to bet on themselves, they're going to be successful, yet they're never able to quite get there. So, you know, I, I love talking to entrepreneurs like yourself that have taken that leap and have been willing to bet on yourself. And so I'm curious, do you have any advice from your own experience that you could share with the audience around, you know, how you develop the confidence to to burn the boats. And, and also, you know, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts around just how you push through some of the adversity that you talked to us about, you know, coming up. Yeah. I think it's important to understand that two things that come to my mind. One, you got to get your money right before mm -hmm. you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when we need money, it's too late. Right. So yeah. you want to yeah. get your money right earlier in the game. And, and I started to get my money right in, in my, I would say like 23, 25, somewhere around there. Okay. I was not getting my money right when I was 18, 19, 20, 21. You know, I was yeah. actually making six figures in sales during those years, but I was spending more than I was making. I didn't build credit. I was like, why do I need a credit card? Like I have cash, right? Sure. You know, I was 1099 and I wasn't utilizing LLCs properly and write-offs. Like I was just a, a dumbass, right? So, you know, get your money right. If, if you look at my journey, I started to get my money right 23, 24, 25. I didn't become an entrepreneur and start my business since I was, you know, 29. Nine, right. So yeah. there was like five years where I was getting my money right as an employee. I was mm. saving a lot of money every year. I was driving, you know, paid off Hondas. You know, I, I had a really good credit store. You know, I didn't owe money to the IRS. I had my LLC gain right. You know, I understood how credit worked. Um, so then that way, when I started my business, I had a lot more confidence knowing like, yo, just because I have $100,000 in credit card debt, it's at 0% though. But I have this proof of concept over here where if I can just buy myself time, I know I have 
proof in the pudding. I have a proof of concept. I can scale this thing and I can pay off this debt, right? It's like that gave me confidence. I think a lot of people rush into business and then they're like, well, can you invest my business? Any investors? Like, dude, one, like I don't want to have investors just because of the fact that that's more people on the operating agreement. Like that's just more chefs in the kitchen. Like now these investors are going to want to get paid. And it's just like, man, like there's risks, right? Now it's just me. Um, but, you know, raising money for a business, like it sounds cool, right? You see all these companies going public and they raised all this money. That's cool. But think about all the companies that raised money from, from investors and went under, right? So I'd rather go solo in the very beginning, especially. And when, that's why you need a good personal credit score. That's why you need to have money in the bank to, to go all in, right? So getting your money right early on is so, so key because it's tough being an entrepreneur if you have shit credit, right? Let's just call a spade a spade. Absolutely. Um, the second component was, and this goes back to I started to, to, to go into training being an entrepreneur before I was an entrepreneur when I was employee doing one, getting my money right, but two, understanding sales. Um, you know, I was part of a lot of different sales teams. You know, I set appointments, I closed deals, I ran sales teams. And if you learn how to communicate and solve problems with, with clients over the phone in person and, and understand what makes people tick and, and learn how to develop and lead a team and train people, like, dude, you can sell anything, right? So I knew when there was days in business where things were slow, especially in the very beginning when there was only a few of us, I knew I could get on the phone and I could sell. I knew I could bring in revenue. Now, at that time, it was the best use of my time. But eventually you're going to get to a point if you really want to scale, you have to get off the phone, you have to get off the sales side and you have to develop and empower your team so they can bring in the money and you can work on the business instead of in the business. Right. But there's a stage in business where you are the one bringing in the revenue. Maybe it's just you and a VA or you and an assistant or you and a couple of team members, but you're the one that's bringing in the sales calls. You're the one that's bringing in the revenue. And if you know that you're confident in your sales game and your ability to sell, you know you're going to be okay. You might not make a sale today. You might not make a sale tomorrow, but you know eventually, you know the game. It's going to come to fruition. Awesome stuff. Want to want to unpack a couple of things there. Number one, the the get your money right piece. That's so true. And and honestly, you know, I don't I don't think that advice is given to aspiring entrepreneurs enough. Um, it hasn't come up a ton, you know, on, on my show. And, and I talk to a lot of successful entrepreneurs and always ask, you know, what advice they would give to, to aspiring entrepreneurs. And I certainly don't want to discredit any of the advice that's been given prior on the show. Cause there's so many nuggets uh, throughout the interviews I've done, but that's one that, you know, I think probably doesn't, doesn't get talked about enough. Just like, you know, when we come up through the, the education system, you don't learn personal finance. You don't learn how to get your money right. So, you know, you got kids coming out of school with six figures in debt and that degree that they got is not even going to help them get a job where they could pay that off in, in the first half of their life. Um, so that's I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and, and it sounds to me like there, there was a little bit of a theme through those two points that you brought out uh, in terms of how you got to the point of wanting to, of being ready to start your own business, right? Number one, it didn't happen overnight. Number two, it sounds like you were very intentional about developing your skills so that when you were ready to take that leap, you, you had those skills developed. I would imagine that gave you confidence so that when you did actually make that transition, 
it, it was less scary than it would have been if you hadn't spent those years really getting yourself ready. Yeah. And then like when you first start a business, you do think about the possibilities of, dude, this might not work, especially in the very beginning when it's not working and you're just like, dude, <laughs> this, this might not work. Like yeah. this, this might not be what I thought it was going to be. But then I, there's a piece of mine where it's like, okay, if it doesn't work, then you just go back to where you were before. Right. Like that's the word. Like, so, so we, we kind of hype things up in our head and make it bigger than what it is. But if you're good at what you do and you were a really good employee, I truly believe that some of the best entrepreneurs, the best business owners were the best employees. Like they just got shit done. Like they just solved problems. They worked their asses off. Mm -hmm. They brought a lot of value to the company. They made others better. Like they were a great asset. And there just came a point in time where they're like, yo, I'm ready to do my own thing. Right. Yeah. So that that was me. So I just knew if it didn't work out as an entrepreneur, like I knew I could go get a job somewhere and get a job not based off my resume, get a job based off of my relationships, my networking and my ability to add value. Right. So like that helped, too, because just because I knew like, dude, what's the worst that can happen? Right. Yeah. So we got to go all in. Well, credit credit to you for for recognizing that right, that our, our minds tend to run wild with these worst case scenarios of of what you know, failure may look like, because I think that, you know, it's, it's always fear that holds us back from doing what we know we should do to, to, to build our lives the way we want and to grow as, as people. And, and usually, especially when it comes to starting a business, that fear is very closely tied to a fear of failure. What happens if it doesn't work out? And to your point, in, in most cases, especially the, the type of people that you work with, the, the type of people that I'm working with, you know, we're not talking about raising millions and millions and millions of dollars in capital to start a business. Um, there's a way to get back to where you are, even if it doesn't go as planned. And and more often than not, the the worst case scenarios we conjure up in our minds are nowhere near what it would look like in reality, even if things didn't go well. So I, I think that's a very valid point. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast, and that's because franchising has had a massive impact on my life, and it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. 
I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at path2freedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. Did you know from an early age that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Like, would you say that, that, you know, as you started getting your money right, and as you really started investing in yourself to, to go through the sales training and just really learn how to be an effective salesperson, was that all with the intention of at some point, I want to own my own business and be independent? Or did that kind of come later? That came later, man. Like I, I wish I had this cool, like Gary V story where like I was <laughs> hustling and, you know, an entrepreneur, you know, out the womb. Um, that, that wasn't me, man. Like for me, it was my childhood and, you know, my mom raised me on her own after I was 12 years old and just going through some of those struggles and just being like, man, I, I don't want to stress about money. Like I don't want to have to worry about money. And, uh, you know, sales was an avenue that I saw that I could make a really good income and, and that could help with that. Right. So, you know, I've always been someone that loved to compete. I think that's why sales was something I liked because yeah. I played sports growing up and, and I really like competing. I like competing with other people, but I also like competing with myself. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sales and sports and business, they have a lot of similarities. Right. So yeah. I don't think I started to realize that entrepreneurship was was in my deck of cards probably until the 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 time when I was about like 25 26 where I was like dude like I've only worked at a few different companies at this point in time and every company I've worked at like I've helped grow that company and I've been a tremendous asset this has nothing to do with ego it's just based off of facts just seeing the revenue and the amount of employees and you know I was always in some kind of management role essentially after I was 20 years old, I was always in some kind of management role. So I was just like, man, like, I think I could do this on my own. And I like the idea of competing with myself and being a business owner, because being a business owner and entrepreneur is a lot like sports. And, uh, yeah. you know, like, I'm, I'm ready, like, I, I want to make this happen. So it was later in life, man. But, uh, you know, I always wanted to make sure that I was in a good spot financially. So that's why, you know, I had to learn from my mistakes. And, you know, I bought a house in 2000. 2008 lost my ass off there you know there was a point in time where i owed a bunch of money in taxes to the irs because i filed 1090 i was 1099 and just was an idiot um so we're I just, paying I just, the taxes yeah, yeah man so i just made a lot of bad decisions in my early 20s so that's where i'm like back to the analogy i'm like i'm done touching this hot stove right and good thing that happened because then when i realized i wanted to be an entrepreneur i had already been getting my money right and you know the reason i can speak you know pretty um, passionately about getting your money right. It's like, I know what it's like to have maxed out credit cards, 
Like I know what it's like to have like no money in the bank when you're, you know, getting things going. Um, I, I know what that's like. And man, it's just so much easier when your credit score is higher. It's so much easier when you're not maxed out on credit card. It's so much easier to take action when you have leverage in, in your, you know, in your control. Well, yeah. And, and it's also easier as you're ramping a business up to, to not have to worry about how are you going to pay the bills during that ramp up phase, right? I mean, I've seen people go to start a business and literally everything they had went into starting that business. And, and then they're in a position where they, they start making bad business decisions because they're, they're worrying about how quickly they can start seeing some income from the business. Uh, and they start trying to pull money out of the business before it's ready uh, for that. And, and so I think it's another reason that getting your money right is so important. But no, I, I appreciate you sharing that because I, I do think it's important that people understand not every entrepreneur is Gary V where, you know, they were, you know, wheeling and dealing baseball cards from the time they could walk and, you know, just doing doing it from, from a very early age. I think a lot of us, you know, for me, it was the same. I didn't grow up necessarily knowing that I wanted to, to start businesses. It was the more I learned about business and I found myself in management roles and, and a couple of things happened for me. It was one, it kind of dawned on me like, Hey, I'm basically doing a lot of the roles that a business owner would do. I'm just doing it for someone else and I'm building it for yeah. someone else. Why not do it for me? But I also, you know, my wife and I saw firsthand how, yeah, starting a business is risky, but so is being an employee. Like as an employee, you're putting your livelihood in someone else's hands. And there's a lot that can happen completely outside of your control that takes that livelihood away. And it happened to to my wife and I. She got laid off on maternity leave. And, and that was kind of the last straw for us. We're like, we've been talking about doing this for a while. Let's roll. Um, so anyways, I appreciate you sharing that story. I know that so much of that is going to resonate with, with the audience. And I think there's a lot of big takeaways, especially, you know, those couple pieces of advice that you gave. So, so thanks for that. Um, and, and my guess is, you know, you, you've, you know, you talked about some failures. I like the analogy of, of touching the stove and getting burned. My, my guess is that even since you started your own business, you still touched the stove a few times and gotten burned, right? You still made some mistakes and learned some things. And, and so that's something people need to realize too, is that just when you start your own business, even if you've done some of the preparation like you did, doesn't mean you have all the answers. I mean, talk to us a little bit about how you have built the business. And then I want to get into more specifically um, how you're able to help people do what, what you're able to do. So I mean, talk to us from going from just you to what'd you say? You have 13 people on your team now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have to realize there's just always a new level of problems, right? Like when you go from being an employee to, you know, a one way, one man or one woman show, now you got a new set of problems. Mm -hmm. And then when you hire your first couple of employees, then you got a new set of problems. And then, you know, you got five employees and then 10 employees, like, there's probably problems that I'm not even aware of that, you know, people that have a hundred employees have that I don't have. Right. So there's always billionaires have problems, believe it or not. Billionaires yeah, have problems we couldn't even imagine. 
Exactly, exactly. So, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I, I'm still touching the stove, you know, and, and uh, it, it's really easy to, to trust people. Um, you know, there's been plenty of times I've been burned or, you know, it was off a handshake, you know, there wasn't anything in writing. And, uh, you know, so that's something that I've learned from and adjust, adjusted. Um, and then you, you, you burn yourself or you get burned by employees, right? Like anytime an employee doesn't work out, I always hold myself accountable like there's something that that we did internally uh, incorrectly whether it was the vetting out the hiring process you know we've had issues with our culture at times right like just allowing certain people that are toxic and, and things like that so you know there's just always going to be some type of problems uh, that's why it's really helpful and, and I forgot where I heard this analogy or this kind of like I'm paraphrasing it but I really related to it because it's me I intentionally surround myself with with other people that think differently than me, and I, I, I believe they're smarter than me. Mm -hmm. I've got my strengths. However, they have strengths in areas that I don't have. Yep. And your job as an owner is to bring in a group of people and hear out their ideas, and then you have to be the one to pick the idea that makes the most sense, right? And uh, you have to be able to listen to your team, and you have to be accountable where you're holding them accountable, but then they also hold you accountable because you're not perfect, right? So, you know, we're at the stage where it's, it's all about people, right? You know, 13 employees, it's not 100 employees, but now we're dealing with culture and operations and who's doing what and why is they why are they doing this? And you know, whose responsibility is to do what and efficiencies. And then, you know, we've got a 1000 customers. So making sure the customer experience is, is on point. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you just have to make sure that your communication and, and your management and your culture is is on point. That stuff really doesn't matter when you know, it's just you, you know, um, or you and a set of VAs, right? You know, at that point, you're thinking about, okay, how can I scale this? How can I delegate my time, right? Mm -hmm. Because at that yep. point, you have to delegate more, right? So it's like, okay, how can I hire this person so I can free up this time so I can do ABC, right? And then you start putting together the pieces and you figure out what skill set you need. One mistake that I made in the very beginning is I hired a lot of people and I kept a lot of people in my organization because I liked them and or they're like me. Naturally, when you hire people, you want them like, oh, shoot, he thinks just like me or he's just like me. Like we're cut from the same cloth. Let's go. Yeah. That's a slippery slope because if, if you're bringing in people that are just like you and they think just like you, you know, they're, they're, that, that's going to put you in a bad position because you're not going to you're going to miss out on some other things where if you have other perspectives, you know, Ray Dalio likes to call in his book principles, thoughtful disagreement. You know, it's OK yeah. to have a heated discussion. Right. It's OK to disagree. But how are we moving forward and finding solutions? Yeah, I love that, man. I mean, it, it's the old saying, like, you never want to be the smartest guy in the room. Right. I mean, surround yourself with people that that, yeah, maybe are smarter than you have done things that you haven't done yet that that can help teach you. But it's a really good point. You know, surround yourself with people, especially when you're building a team in your own business with people that have complementary skill sets to you, uh, people that can do things well that are maybe not, you know, in your wheelhouse as the owner or are simply not the best use of your time as an owner. And I think that's a hard adjustment for a lot of business owners to make as they do start to scale their businesses. Uh, and you referenced this earlier, um, you know, with you doing a lot of the sales initially, and then you get to a point where you being on the phone doing the sales is no longer the best use of your time. And you have to, you know, delegate that and empower a team. And I think that's, I, I know for for myself, it's been hard to even sometimes figure out like, all right, where do I start? I know I've got too much that I can do. Uh, I know I need to delegate. 
but where do I start? What do I delegate first? Who do I delegate it to? How do I even teach this person how to do what I need them to do? But then there's things that are hard to let go of too, where you're like, you've got this mindset, no one's going to do it better than me. Um, so, so any advice to the aspiring entrepreneur that, that gets to that point someday, or even an existing small business owner that's maybe struggling with that right now in terms of like, how do you start uh, getting some of the stuff off of your plate so that you can start to scale? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple different things. So like, let's go to the startup phase, right? Like a solopreneur or someone that's just like very, very infancy stages, right? Everything you should be doing at that time should be revenue generated, right? Like yeah. just revenue based, right? Like you should mostly you should be doing sales, right? So if you're doing admin stuff, um, if you're doing things that are not generating revenue, like just task-based things, like that needs to get off your plate. And it's 2021, right? Like, dude, there's so many VA companies yeah. out there. Like there's so much resources out there to help offload admin things. Like you should not be doing anything admin related, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that, that's number one in the very beginning. You just want to be focused on bringing in money. Like anything that's just sales revenue, right? Because it's just like, it's, it's numbers, right? It's like, okay, I can spend two hours putting together this Excel spreadsheet that gives me this data and this, this, and this, or I can spend that same two hours and have four sales phone calls and I could bring in potentially X amount of money in the company. Like yeah. that's a freaking no brainer, right? Should um, be. So, yeah. So, so, you know, and, and, but a lot of people are like, well, shoot, like if I hire out, it's going to cost me, you know, this much money. Well, how much is it costing you doing these admin tasks when you could have used that time to do sales, right? Yes. Like I already, I don't even care what you sell or what your profit margins are. You're going to make more money. You're going to, it's going to cost you if you're not hiring out, right? But yeah. a lot of people, they don't want to see that money go out. And again, that's why business is long game. Business is investing. Business is, you're not going to see the returns right away. Mm -hmm. And again, that's why you got to have your money, right? Because if you got your money, right, you can withstand, you know, some of those punches and, you know, waiting a little bit to get paid, right? Um, so that's number one. Number two, when you, when you start uh, getting your business a little bit more experienced and, and you have some more employees and things like that, you know, now it's a matter, and this is kind of where I'm at is, okay, I can spend time, you know, on the phone. Like right now I do literally no admin tasks, right? Like I, that's not where my best use of time is, right? So, you know, I can spend time on the phone with a client and mm -hmm. generate X for the company, or I can delegate it to my sales team and they can make X and then I can spend that time working on the business, right? Like going to events, you know, shaking hands, doing podcasts, mm -hmm. writing my book, doing my podcast, speaking on stage, right? Like I'm going to speak to a wider audience, a bigger pool of people versus just that one client I'm on the phone with. And that's a tough one because as salespeople, we're like, dude, I'm the best salesperson there is in this company. Like I'm going to have the best closing percentage to get this person. Like, and that's tough because it, it's true. Right. And, and it sucks because when you delegate and you give your sales team the opportunity to sell, they're going to mess up. Like they're going to mess, miss deals that you would have got. 
And it's yeah. going to mess with your head. You're going to be like, dude, that cost me freaking $5,000 in commission. What the heck? Like it's hard. That's part of the game though. Like that's how they learn. So your better, your time is going to be better spent training them, investing into them. It might give you a setback that first couple months, that first couple quarters. Yeah. However, once they're grinding and once they're on, on, on point and, and, and they're doing their thing, now you've just created a mini you. Right. So again, it's that strategic setback that you have to be okay with and just playing the long game. Yeah. So good, man. Um, I I don't know if you're familiar with Jack Daly at all, but he's kind of a sales guru and and he's got books and stuff. So he's done some speaking and some training with one of the franchise organizations that we're involved with. And he talks about exactly that, you know, how you've got to be willing. He refers to it as, as to watch the train wreck happen you know, when you're training a salesperson um, so that they can learn and get better. And, and it is these temporary setbacks. And, and so, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to opportunity costs and understanding that, right? When it's you first starting to delegate, yeah, there's going to be some costs with delegating, but what can freeing that time up help you generate? Uh, and then same thing with these temporary setbacks that you talk about. So, that right there, that is that is golden advice for any small business owner, any aspiring entrepreneur out there. So really appreciate you sharing so much of this with us, right? Because I, I know how valuable it is. You know, I love hearing you talk about this stuff and, and could keep going, but definitely want to give you a chance to talk more about Quest Education. So so listening, the you and I talked a little bit about this in, in our prep meeting the listeners here have have heard uh, some other guests come on and talk a little bit about really one other guest talk a little bit about how to leverage retirement accounts for for business ownership, right? If they want to start a business. And, and so I remember you and I chatted about this. What I'm familiar with, what the audience has heard about is what I know is the Rob's program, right? Rollover for business startups. Uh, but in talking with you, sounds like the majority of what you're helping your clients do is is a little bit different uh from the robs program am i am i accurate on that yeah so robs is going to be great for someone that's going to open up like a franchise with w2 employees right like right yeah that's that's their playing field that's that audience that that product aligns for um the solo 401k is the product that we help people with and that's a different kind of audience that's someone that has an, uh, a business, some kind of side hustle, some kind of project, and there's no W-2 employees tied to that, that activity. Maybe it's a real estate agent with 1099 commission. Uh, maybe okay. it's a, a, a digital marketing freelancer. Maybe it's mm. a consultant, right? Maybe they have an online business, right? Like just some kind of business where there's no W-2 employees tied to that business, okay. right? If, if that's you, then you qualify for a solo 401k. And the solo 401k, it has a loan feature on the plan, where let's just say someone is able to get, you know, $50,000 in a solo 401k. Well, the loan feature allows them to take out 50% of the account value, penalty and tax free, and they can use that money however they want. They Mm -hmm. can use it to pay off high interest rate credit card debt. They can use it to fund their business. They can use it however they want. And that's a big distinction from yeah. the ROBS because mm-hmm. money with the ROBS plan, you can't use that money to pay off personal credit card debt. Can't and use it off for pers- real estate, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it's got to yeah, be I mean, a business. It's, it's for the business, right? Yeah. So the solo 401k, you can use the loan feature 
to pay off high interest rate credit card debt. And that's been clutch for a lot of our customers over the years, because maybe you're listening to this right now and you have $20,000 in credit card debt at 20% interest. You already know you're losing thousands of dollars in interest. Meanwhile, you have your retirement account. Maybe it's a 401k from an old job or it's an IRA and it's only making you eight or 9% a year. And I use the word only because if you're losing 20% to your credit card debt and you're making 8% a year with your retirement account, you're losing money faster than you're making money. So what people can do if they qualify for a solo 401k, they can take their 401k from their old job or their IRA, convert it into the solo 401k, use the loan feature, take out X amount of money, penalty and tax-free, pay off the high interest rate credit card debt, And now they're paying themselves back the money they took out. It's actually a five-year loan. So essentially, they're their own bank. So they're replenishing their retirement account. So they're not robbing from their future. So that's a big big component in helping people either pay off credit card debt or maybe fund their business. And then when you set aside the loan feature, money in a solo 401k, you can actually own certain assets that have nothing to do with stock. So your solo 401k can own crypto assets, really? you know, private lending, promissory notes, um, real estate assets, precious metals, private businesses, right? So mm-hmm. there's these other options that you can grow your money with beyond just traditional stocks and mutual funds. Interesting. Uh, yeah, because we didn't get into that much detail when you and I first spoke. So, so this is fascinating. Couple questions for you to to make sure I'm understanding. And, and again, in my mind, I'm fairly familiar with Rob's. I've, I you know, I don't handle it myself, but I've worked with plenty of people over the years that have leveraged a Rob's to get into. In my case, specifically franchise businesses that I've helped them find. Um, and it is great. You know, if the goal is to build a business where you're going to have employees and, and you're trying to scale something bigger than just yourself. So first question is with the solo 401k, you said it's it's got to be for a business with no W2 employees. Does it have to be for a business that will never have any W2 employees or is it just there's no W2 employees when the business starts? Like, could someone use a, a solo 401k to, to kind of say it's a side hustle they've had and now they're like, all right, I want to go all into this. So I need some startup capital, but it's just them. And then let's say a year into it, uh, they, they start to get some scale and they need to bring on one or two W2 employees. Can they do that? With the solo 401 yeah, yeah. So, so one to clarify, if you have 1099 contractors tied to the company, you you still qualify for the solo 401k. So okay. you, you just can't right. have any full-time W2 employees right. that are not you or your spouse. Um, as soon as you, so let's just say, let's use your example. You set up a solo 401k in the very beginning when it's a side hustle, you use some of the money to fund the business or pay off debt. And then a couple of years later, while you still have the solo 401k, you know, you're, you're hiring full-time W2 employees at that point, then you need to restructure things. Now it's no longer a solo 401k, right? Now it's just going to be a 401k. And then now you have to make sure you offer a, a, a plan just like that to your employees. Now you got to say, okay. Hey, employee, just so you know, I've got this 401k that I'm doing over here. You know, I've got to offer it to you. So do, do you want it? You know, and, and that's where you've got to, you know, work with a company to make sure that you're setting that up. Right. Cause you know, and that we don't do, we don't, we, we don't target or as far as we don't, 
cater to companies with W2 employees. That's a whole different ball game, right? Now yeah, you got to figure yeah. out a matching schedule and vesting mm-hmm. and all that. And, and that's just not, you know, the game that, that we play in. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's, that's good clarifier. And I'm, I'm glad you, you pointed out that it is okay for, for 1099s because, you know, in my world of franchising, again, Rob's is very prevalent. It happens yeah. all the time. I would venture to say that over half of the franchise investments that get made, at least in the types of franchises I'm working with, are, are done through at least partially a Rob's. Um, but the solo 401k, I, I wasn't familiar with it before we connected. That could certainly still apply to someone looking to get into a franchise business. There are franchise businesses out there that are more of a owner operator model that are not designed to scale. There's consulting franchises, there's uh, recruiting franchises, there's there's things out there where the model is that the franchise owner would never need a W-2 employee. There's also franchise businesses that are, are 1099 contractor type models where the recommendation is the franchise owner doesn't have any W-2 employees, they leverage 1099 one of our franchises, it's a seven figure plus business. We've never had a single W2 employee. They're all 1099, the salespeople, the installers. Um, so it sounds to me like we could have even leveraged a solo 401k uh, or my wife could have to, to start that. Yeah. The, the, the 1099 contractors works, works just fine. Cool. Um, so one other question, cause you mentioned, and I know this is the case with the Robs, um, does it have to be a, a 401k from a former employer? Yep. Got to be yeah. a 401k from an old job or an IRA, right? That, that's the type of account that can get moved over into a, a solo 401k. Okay. So, so basically what you're doing, you know, with quest education is you're, you're connecting with people, educating them first of all, on how all of this works helping them determine if if they're even eligible for a solo 401k based on where their retirement money is, uh, what their employment situation is compared to where their retirement funds are, and then also what are they looking to accomplish through through getting access to those funds. And, and then you're kind of advising and managing that whole process. So it sounds like there is a conversion from I guess a traditional 401k to this solo 401k, I would imagine you guys are kind of managing that for your clients and then advising down the road. Is this more of a long-term relationship with your clients or, or after the, the solo 401k has been set up, are, are you kind of, uh, you know, disengaging with them at that point? Yeah, so so by design, we're set up where we're not licensed financial professionals. Um, and, and that keeps us in a good place where we just do pure education, you know, so we're not here mm-hmm. to sell stocks, insurance, real estate, you know, it, it comes down to a solo 401k is a self-directed account. So the the client, the customer, they have all the options in the world. You know, we've got customers that, you know, set up an account with us and then shortly after they use that money to invest into a private company of their own choice, right? Like I've got, you know, one of our customers, you know, has got a bunch of money in a solo 401k and he used that money to invest into Everbull, you know, a, a franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that works all day long. Um, you know, we do 
set up the accounts for people in terms of the customer service and the education. And, and to your point, what you're asking, you know, once the account is set up, we're here to be a resource. You know, we're still in the picture providing as much value as we can. You know, we've got uh, an awesome set of, uh, you know, affiliates that we work with, whether it's tax professionals, you know, whether it's companies that can help people with SBAs, lines of credit, you know, maybe estate planning, uh, you know, maybe certain real estate investments. Mm. We don't sell investments, but we're just here to sell solutions, right? So whatever yeah. we can help our, our customers with, you know, we're here to kind of be like their quarterback and whatever play call they want to run, you know, we can refer them out and, and, and make some introductions and see, you know, what what's a good fit. I love that, man. Um, and, and I mean, I'm intrigued, like I'm sitting here thinking I've got some money sitting in a 401k from a previous employer. And, you know, it's just like you said, it gets its eight, nine, maybe 10% on a good year. Uh, I'm not directing it. It's just in, in a fund kind of doing what it's doing. And I don't know, I like the idea of maybe converting that to a solo 401k and I'm starting to learn more about crypto and, you know, definitely uh, we own some real estate and want to do more of that. So I don't know, you got my wheels turning. Yeah, man, there's a, that's why I wrote my book too, man. Cause like, there's just so much that people don't know and it sucks because it's by design. It's, it's our system. Mm. You just follow the money, Wall Street and these big financial companies, these big banks, how do they make money off of us? Well, they make money when we buy stocks, yeah. right? Yeah. They don't make money when we use our retirement money to invest in our own business or to yeah. pay off high interest rate credit card debt or invest into real estate. They don't make money off of that. So why would they teach people these types of accounts? You know, and, and that's why I love knowing that, you know, I've got a bunch of competitors out there, but I love seeing that because there's such a big demand in this marketplace and more and more people need to be aware of this kind of stuff. And it takes companies like mine and other companies to bring this knowledge to the forefront and give people the option, because I'm not saying a solo 401k is for everyone. What sure. I am saying is I yeah. think it's important for you to know you could have a solo 401k or a self-directed IRA. And if that's a tool that you see making sense, fitting in your tool belt, you should have the right to set that tool up. If it doesn't make sense, and that's okay too, you know, it's just yeah. an option. Yeah, hundred percent, man. It's just, it's another tool in the kit, right? And, and for some people, it's going to make sense. There's people listening to this podcast now that it probably doesn't make sense for, but five years from now, Maybe it does. And at least now it's it's on their radar. And, you know, it's the same. Like, I, I love what you're doing because of all the options it can open up for someone. Right. Like I say it all the time on, on this podcast, you know, owning a franchise is not for everyone. We own franchises. I consult people when it comes to owning a franchise. And I believe that there are a lot of benefits to owning the right franchise. But it sure as hell is not the only way that you can go about getting into business for yourself. And there's definitely people out there that owning a franchise is not right for. And that's why I love having people like you come on. Uh, and I have so many guests that that are not involved in franchising in any way or another, because I want people to understand all of the avenues available to them so that they can create freedom for themselves by owning their own business. Uh, whether it's a franchise or not, there's so many ways to do it. You said earlier, we're 2021, man. Like there's there's resources available to us that, you know, the entrepreneurs from decades ago, like props to them because they were doing it like the hard way. <laughs> like we got yeah. VAs, we got a, a website, an app, a software for pretty much anything you could imagine, you know, the things you can do with digital marketing. So 
Um, no, I think it's really cool what you're doing, you know, the, the services that you're providing, the focus on education. And I mean, I'm glad that, that we connected and, and you were able to share this with the audience, because like I said, it wasn't on, on my radar before. And, and I'd say I'm probably, I guess, more tuned in to, to some of this yeah. than the average person because of what I do. So very cool. Where, um, so you mentioned your book, you mentioned your podcast, where can people connect with you? Where can they learn? more about not only quest education and and the services you're providing there but you know just you and and some of the stuff that you're doing where can people get more yeah best place would be danielblue.me so it's daniel blue just like the color dot me and uh, that that website's got uh, access to all all my uh, my content so i've got a podcast that i'm pretty passionate about it's called how winners win um we teach people just different strategies and how to help them win in, in business kind of things that we talked about as, mm-hmm. as i'm going through you know uh, hiring operations culture and just an entrepreneurial journey and then helping people win with their financial side you know we talk about getting your money right on the podcast and then Nice. You know, just personal struggles, right? Like, you know, I was just talking uh, the other day about I just went and seen a therapist for the first time, right? Like, you know, mental health is a, is a big one. So, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. speaking to that, that entrepreneur or that person that wants to become an entrepreneur, you know, you, you're put on this life to win, right? And there's certain ways that, that we can win in life. So uh, I, I love doing the podcast. Uh, that's something I'm really passionate about. So we're on all the platforms. So you can follow, you know, how winners win um, through my website, or you can just look at, it, you know, Apple or Spotify, however you listen to podcasts, and then uh, access to my book on my website. It's called Blueprints, Your Best Retirement. Um, The book basically touches on on two principles. One, you know, how to access your money penalty and tax-free. So I talk about the solo 401k and and self-directing your retirement to, you know, have just a lot more freedom and control over your retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. And then the second component I talk about is how you actually can create tax-free wealth, you know, using self-directed retirement accounts because everyone loves tax-free, right? It's just no, not a lot of people know the steps to get there. So talk about that. And the book is super simple Uh, by design. I wanted it to be really a short read and keep keeping it simple and not boring people to death with these financial lingo terms that no one really understands. Um, So it's just a a simple, easy read. Yeah. I want people to read the book and be like, okay, that, that, and that I can implement and get results. Right. So that that was the point of the book. So you can get that on, on Amazon. And then, uh, you know, if you do have a 401k from an old job or an IRA and you're like, oh shoot, I didn't know I could access that penalty and tax free. And, you know, the wheels are turning. If if that's you, um, then head over to Quest Education's website. The link's on danielblue.me and uh, you can fill out a form and uh, someone from my team will reach out and see if it's a good fit. Is there a minimum amount that, that you'd have to have in a 401k to be able to roll it over to the solo? Um, there's no minimum, okay. but we want to provide as much value as we can. And, and what we have found is if you've got $30,000 or more, that, that's a good, at least a good starting point, right? Because if, yeah. if you've got 10000 in a 401k from an old job and you want to move it to a solo 401k, one, you know, it's going to be a little tough to find investments that will take that kind of money. Two, mm-hmm. using the loan feature, you're only going to be able to take out 50% of what oh, you have, right? right? 50%, 50% of 10 yeah. is 5k, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You've got 30,000, 50,000 or more, you know, you're going to have a little bit more wiggle room to, to get you to, to where you're looking to go. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, we'll, we'll link the, the podcast, your website, uh, a link to the book on Amazon. We'll link all that in the show notes. Um, real quick, before I let you go, I do what I call a lightning round, uh, at the end of every episode. These are the same four questions I ask every guest that comes on. Uh, so if you can stick with me for, for about a minute to yeah. hit the lightning round, 
uh, I'd love to do it. So first question of the lightning round is simply, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? And that could be in business or general life advice. And lower your expectations. Um, we're only mm. disappointed when our expectations aren't met, right? So if you lower your expectations, it's going to be harder to be pissed and upset and frustrated. However, there's a big difference between expectations and standards. I'm not saying lower your expectations Ooh. so you can be lazy and, you know, not win in life and not be ambitious. I'm just saying there's a difference between a standard and an expectation. Like my standard is excellence, right? Like my standard is be the best husband, be the best father, be the best employer, be the best business owner, right? But I expect my team to mess up. I expect me to make mistakes. I expect my wife and I to go through trials and challenges and adversity. Like I expect that shit. So, you know, when you can kind of just structure your, your mind a little bit differently, you know, we're only upset when our expectations aren't met, right? And, and if you can limit the amount of times you get upset, you're just going to be that much better of a human being, that's for sure. That's fantastic. I've never heard it explained that way, differentiating between expectations and standards. So well said. I like that a lot. Um, second question is uh do you have any sort of a morning routine something that you try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day yeah man i wake up at 4 20 um not because i smoke weed and i love bob <laughs> marley right uh, it's just that's how long it takes me to get up and be at the gym by five um all right i have a little bit of a commute so i'm up at 4 20 i'm at the gym at five i'm back home around 6 30 um yep. and then uh i play fetch with my dog kind of hang out a little bit with my daughter and I take her to school. Um, and I come back around like seven 30, hang out with the wife for about 30 minutes, an hour ish. And then mm -hmm. I, I cruise in the office. So, you know, during that time I'm listening to podcasts, you know, meditating, you know, just getting my mind right in the morning. Um, yeah. so that way, again, back to expectations, when I get in my day, I just expect shit to go wrong. Right. That email that you didn't want to get, or that phone call you didn't want to get, like we all get them. So bring it. Yeah, no, I love that, man. And that's why I like that question is because everyone's got something a little bit different, but the high yeah. performers out there, they've got, they've got their routine that when they do it, they, they set themselves up better to take on the day and, and all the challenges that are going to come with it. Um, you wrote a book, you know, you've mentioned listening to podcasts. Uh, if you're a reader, I'm curious what book you're reading right now. And that, that could include like listening to, to an audio book too. Man, you know, um, you know, I've been obviously on the self-development train for a long time. So I'm, I'm constantly reading books about leadership and culture, marketing, advertising and things like that. But book right now I'm reading probably might surprise you, but the OG, uh, John Grisham, um, right. I wanted to switch it up, man. I wanted to get like a, a book about, you know, story. Um, yeah. and uh, it's, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a freaking really good one. It's about, uh, you know, uh, a case that's happening in, in the South and, you know, just kind of racial tensions going on and, you know, attorneys and, you know, crime. And so it's a really good one, man. I think it's important. We kind of switch it up sometimes because, you know, most of my books are leadership, you know, are business related, but, you know, it's, it's really good to, to, to pick up a good story every once in a while and kind of get lost in it. It's like 600 pages and like you read it for a few hours. You're like, holy shit, like I'm almost done, you know, like, yeah, you just get lost in the book. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I try, I usually have two going at a time, one that's more yeah. like a, uh, a story, you know, kind of for relaxation purposes and one that's yeah. more, uh, you know, educational self-development focused. But I went through a period of time for a couple of years where I was like hardcore, like 
if it's not something I can learn from, I'm not, I'm not going to spend the time on it. And then I finally got to a point. I'm like, man, like I love to read or I do a lot of audible these days. And I'm like, it's just nice to get into a good story sometimes. Like I'll do it while I'm cleaning the house or, uh, you know, driving or whatever. So that's cool. Um, last question, and then we'll let you go. What's your definition of freedom and are you living it? Man, I'm not living it because freedom to me is doing what you want to do when you want to do it, how you want to do it. Right. And, uh, I'm 32 years old. My business is only three years old, right? Like I don't have a few money, right? So, um, you know, I'm not complaining, man. Like I'm blessed, you know, have a daughter, a wife, you know, I'm happy. Um, but, you know, freedom to me is, is how I just described it. And uh, so it's something that I'm striving for, um, you know, and business is going to be a way that I'm going to get there, right? So again, just playing the long game, bro. We'll see where I'm at when I'm 40, 45. I love it, man. You, you, you may not be there yet, neither am I, but sounds like you're well on your way. You're charting your own path to freedom. But Daniel, man, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for making time to, to join me on the podcast and for sharing uh, your story, but also your expertise with, uh, you know, helping people tap into to retirement funds and, um, you know, use it in different ways than, than are, you know, maybe kind of the mainstream or, or the norm. Um, really appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing. I, I love, you know, what you and your company stand for and, and, you know, what you're trying to accomplish through the people that you help. So um, anything I can ever do to help you out, don't hesitate to reach out, but really appreciate you dropping in here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Hey, Wes, it was a great time, brother. Thank you for having me. You got it. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path, the number two, frdm.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.